Colossians chapter 3. And uh, I will be brief tonight. I mean that uh, in sincerity. I'm not going to get long-winded unless the Lord, you know, opens the door to teach further. But uh, I really am not uh, planning on going very lengthy tonight, uh, both for your safety and uh, uh, the roads and everything that are going on out there. And then uh, the, the struggles I've had here recently this afternoon with, uh, with my voice and the, and the coughing. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to continue with our series that we've been doing on Wednesday nights, How Do I Measure Up According to Scripture and Letting the Bible Be Our Spiritual Tape Measure. Uh, we, don't, we don't measure our progress in the spiritual life by how we relate or compare to someone else uh, too far too often. And even, have you ever noticed this, that even knowing this thought, most of us here I think know this thought, but have you ever caught yourself, even though we know this, we still have that tendency to do it, don't we? And not even realize we're doing it until, until we've already made the comparison. Uh, to compare ourselves with another Christian or to compare ourselves maybe with another church or another ministry. Uh, and, and even knowing that that is not our rule of measure, we, we find ourselves continuously coming back to it. It's a prideful thing. It's a, an egocentric thing that our flesh battles with. And we tend to do this even having the knowledge that we shouldn't do this. But our rule should be the Bible. We should take our, our life and lay it alongside of the truth of Scripture and say, okay, Lord, how does it measure up? And in the areas that I find myself coming short, I should be striving and working in those areas and asking the Lord for help and grace to have victory in those areas of my life that I can become more and more what the Bible tells tells me I ought to be, and this ought to be the desire of every Christian, that we're to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so tonight we're going to deal with the topic, and uh, it's not one of those ones that everybody loves to hear about, but it's one that is so vitally important in the Christian life, and that is the topic of forgiveness. Forgiveness. How do I measure up according to the Bible's teaching on my responsibility in the area of forgiveness? How do I measure up? Uh, am I following what the Bible says in these areas? The issue of forgiveness is an interesting issue because it's a two-sided coin. There, is, there are instructions that the Bible gives to people that have been the one that was offended. Uh, and then there are also instructions the Bible gives us regarding forgiveness um, when we're the one that was the offender. Uh, and so we need to look at both sides of that coin and see uh, what the Bible teaches us in both cases. Because the truth of the matter is, in all of our lives, sometimes we're the offended and sometimes we're the offender. And we need to know how, what the Bible teaches in each of these things. Let's look in Colossians chapter 3, if you will. And uh, Paul writes this in verse number 12. Colossians chapter 3, in verse number 12. He says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, <coughs> humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. There's a whole list of things that Paul gives here, and if you take time, we're not going to take time to study this particular passage in its fullness tonight, but if you'll take time to study these things that Paul has given as a list, you'll find that all of them are intertwined one with the other. And they all work together. 
the long suffering, the forbearing of one another, the, uh, the bowels of mercies, the kindness, the humbleness of mind, the meekness and long suffering, all of that ties in together with this idea of forgiveness. And you cannot have forgiveness, I believe, in its entirety as far as Scripture uh, teaches. I don't believe you can have forgiveness if these other things that Paul mentions here that are characterized that forgiveness are not in place in our lives. There has to be a spirit of humility for true forgiveness to take place. There has to be long-suffering. There has to be meekness for true forgiveness to take place. And, uh, and so Paul instructs the church at Colossae uh, that, they, uh, that they should be forgiving the way that the Lord Jesus Christ forgave them. And I'll say this, that this ought to be the foundation, the cornerstone of this study. Everything else that we talk about tonight from God's Word ought to be based on the premise that I am to forgive the way that Christ forgave me. Um, and so I want us to look at it <coughs> from both sides tonight. And we're going to start first from the side of the one who is the one who was offended. Somebody did me wrong. I was offended. Somebody did you wrong. And you're the one that's offended. What is your responsibility? According to Scripture, what does the Bible teach us? regarding these things that are of an offense to us. A great passage of Scripture, we're going to spend most of our time in it tonight on this first section, is in Matthew chapter number 6. And if you'll take some time to turn over there, Matthew chapter number 6. And uh, I want us to keep in mind uh, that, that there is a difference between forgiveness and enabling somebody to continue to do things that are against Scripture and against God. Uh, they are two two separate things. They're not they're not to be confused. Uh, forgiveness is not uh, empowering uh, folks to continue on in their sin. The Bible teaches us very clearly that when a brother is overtaken in a fault, that we are to restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, and we're to speak the truth in love to them, and we're to do some things to try to help them. But we're dealing here specifically with someone who has brought hurt to us, someone who has been offensive to us, somebody who has done something wrong to us. How are we supposed to respond to that? By the way, let me ask you this question. When it comes to mankind, in fact, I'm going to narrow it down a little bit lower. When it comes to you and I, have we in our lifetime done something to offend God? I would say quite, quite emphatically, yes. Not only have we offended Him, we've offended Him over and over and over and over and over again. We have done things contrary to His Word. We've done things contrary to His holiness. We have been sinners, and thus we have transgressed the law of God, and we have literally transgressed against God Himself. We have brought reason for God to hold a grudge against us if He so chose to do. But He doesn't. He offers forgiveness. And I, want to, I cannot make this emphasis enough that when it comes to this issue of forgiveness, we're going to look at some very specific things that, that we're instructed to do by Scripture but the underlying premise is we need to be able to forgive the way God forgave us. In Romans chapter 5, the Bible says, But He commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get righteous to love us. 
He didn't wait for us to clean our lives up to offer a way of forgiveness to us. He did it while we were still sinners. While we were still doing wrong and transgressing against Him. He, he did these things. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're going to look at a portion of this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is teaching of a, a host of subjects. But He gets to this one particular one in verse number 27. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I got the wrong passage written here. Give me just a second, I'll get it. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll start verse, that'll be fine. Uh, I have got the wrong passage here, and I apologize for that. I wrote the wrong verse, and my brain is not thinking clearly here. Hang on a second. find it in a second here. Well, I can't believe I wrote the wrong passage here. It's been a while since I've done this one, so bear with me for a minute. I'll find it, though, for you real quick. How about that? Luke chapter 6. No wonder. I'm sitting there looking at verse forward, verse backwards. I'm sorry. It's Luke's. Luke's passage on the Sermon on the Mount. I apologize for that. No wonder I couldn't find it. Wrong book. All right. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. There we go. I apologize. I was uh, talking with someone today, found out some news actually this week uh, that there was some pretty serious health uh, things that came from this COVID vaccine. And I didn't take the vaccine, but I think the COVID itself does something to your brain over time. And I tell you, it's been a struggle uh, since ever since that's happened. Either that or old age. I can't figure out which one. But one of them's happening. All right, Luke chapter 6. Let's start over. Hit the reset button here. Luke chapter 6, verse number 27. And we're going to read down about 10 verses or so here. <clears throat> but I say unto you, which uh, here, love your enemies... Do good to them which hate you, bless them which curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee of him that uh, taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them, and if you do good to them, which love uh, do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them, of whom you hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, your enemies, and do good, and lend hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. 
All right, so let's take a look at this. I'm going to give you six things very quickly uh, from this passage that I think are taught very clearly uh, in these teachings that the Lord Jesus gave to these folks during this time. The first one is found in verse number 27. He says, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. So there's a couple things here that I think are very critical. Um, we need to love our enemies in such a way, and if someone does us wrong, if we're hurt by someone, someone brings offense to us, we need to have a love for them in such a way that we're willing to reciprocate good, reciprocate good back to them. Um, if you'll remember back to the story of Joseph and his brothers, if you remember when Joseph was sold back into Egypt, uh, in, back in Genesis, uh, he was sold into Egypt by his brothers, and Horrible things happened to, to, to Joseph during that time period. And God, God used that, um, ter- some of those very terrible times in the prison and being accused of being inappropriate with his master's wife and uh, had his reputation ruined. But he rose to be in the second in the kingdom. And if you remember when his brothers came and they uh, were trying to get uh, grain from him because of the famine in the land, when they finally realized who Joseph was, Joseph... Uh, told them not to fear. Because if you remember, his brothers were afraid of Joseph. He could have killed them right there on the spot. He told them not to fear. In fact, uh, let's take a minute and look at that. Hold your place in Luke 6 because we're going to come back there. But I want you to see this. Uh, Let's go to Genesis. I think it's in chapter 50. Uh, Is that right? Chapter 49, 50, somewhere in there is where I think it is. Let's look at it real quick. Genesis chapter 50, I think it is. Um, yeah, let's go here. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 50. And um, there it is. Verse number, uh, verse number, let's start in verse number 18. So his, brother, his brothers know what's going on now at this point. They say, and his, brothers, his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we be thy servants. Notice what Joseph says here. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, notice this phrase, For am I in the place of God? Think about that for a moment. What Joseph is saying here is, You guys did me wrong. You deserve my vengeance, my retribution. But that's God's place, not mine. And I would go so far as to say this, that when we take this passage that, Je- that Joseph speaks of here in Genesis chapter number 50, and we take the passage in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 27, I would go so far as to say this, that when we, when we fail to give forgiveness, biblical forgiveness, we are in essence assuming God's place of vengeance, of, of chastening, of bringing justice to the matter. In fact, the Bible is very clear that vengeance is whose? It's God's, isn't it? He said, I will repay, thus saith the Lord. When, I, when I, somebody does me wrong, and I take it into my hands to bring about the justice that they deserve, I take it into my hands to deal with this, it seems to me like that's, that's God's job to do, not mine. And so we come back to Luke chapter number 6, 
And verse number 27, it says that we're to love our enemies. We're to do good to them which hate us. And then he says in verse number 28, Bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Here's when you know that forgiveness is beginning to happen. Biblical forgiveness is beginning to happen in your life. When the person that did you wrong, you don't talk evil about them, but rather you pray for them. This is a sign of a mature Christian having biblical forgiveness in their life. That no matter how hard it was going through the difficulty, I'm not going to speak evil about them. Things that come out of my mouth are going to be good things about them. And then I'm going to spend time praying for that person. Why? Because I love them. According to verse 27, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to love them. I'm supposed to do good to them. I'm supposed to bless them. And I'm supposed to pray for them. And then I want you to notice in verse number 29, he says this, And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. And it doesn't speak here of enablement. It's speaking here of the spirit of retaliation. This idea that I want to get even with them. I want to get back at them. Uh, we're not to have that kind of a, a spirit about us. Uh, we're, we're, to, we're to leave the judgment of the matter in God's hands. Now, notice at this point, when we're dealing with this topic of forgiveness, not once yet have we even dealt with whether or not this person has come and apologized. Or whether or not this person has come and said, Look, I did wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I've heard a lot of people say, Well, I'd forgive them if they'd just come and apologize. That's not biblical, folks. Is that the requisite that God put on our forgiveness? God offered, God offered His love for us, His forgiveness for us, before we ever came to Him. And so we find here that this idea of this vengeance, this getting back, this idea of retaliation. If one strikes you on the cheek, you're not trying to get them back. Uh, you're not you're not retaliating back at them. That's the way a lot of uh, people think in the day that we live. Uh, in fact, I've heard some people say it this way: uh, I don't get even; I get ahead. You know, and the idea being that if you if you treat me one way, I'm going to make sure I treat you that much more, so that so that it's I've gotten my vengeance on you. Let's look also in verse number 31, and I think this is a kind of summarizes all of these. And uh, Jesus says, And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. So treat, treat them the way you would want to be treated. Treat them the way you would want to be treated. I, um, when I was younger, I used to take that verse, and if somebody treated me wrong, I'd say, well, if they're following that verse, that must be how they want me to treat them, so I'm going to treat them that way. That was the wrong interpretation of that verse, by the way. Uh, we're to treat the way we would want to be treated. There's sometimes people inadvertently hurt us, wrong us. It wasn't their intent to be hurtful. And in those cases, wouldn't we love to have somebody give us the benefit of the doubt if we were the one that had inadvertently done it? I think so. 
I think we'd want to have graciousness shown to us. And then look at verse number 35. He goes on to say, But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. I know people that they laud, (laughs) they pride themselves on, they make very public, well, I'm forgiving them. Oh, they did this, 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 and this to me. And boy, let me tell you, it was hard, but I'm forgiving them. And you almost expect a pat on the back or recognition for this great forgiveness that you gave. Can I tell you this? Forgiveness is humble. Forgiveness is something that doesn't seek any kind of benefit back for it. You're just simply forgiving for the sake of forgiveness. I'm just going to forgive them. I'm going to go on. Look at verse number 36. Be ye therefore what? Merciful. Merciful. Wow, here's a word. Merciful. Getting or not getting what I deserve. This is that idea of the vengeance. We're showing mercy. And not just any kind of mercy. Notice what Jesus says. Be therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. The mercy that we show to our, uh, those that do us wrong, that, that despitefully use us, uh, the, the mercy that we're supposed to show is to be a reflection of the same type of mercy that God has shown me. That's unconditional mercy. That's mercy that's been given to me that far exceeds and outweighs the sin that I committed, the wrong that I did. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, it says where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And it doesn't matter how much we wronged God. How many times is God willing to forgive? I'm thankful He forgave once for all for my sin as far as eternity. But even when it comes to my walk with Him, my relationship to Him, and I have to come to Him regularly and confess sin and say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me of this, and I want that fellowship to be clear again. How often does He do that? Every time. Every time. I've heard people say this before. Uh, you know, they did, did me wrong once, they did me wrong twice, three strikes, they're out. No, no, that's not right. That's not right. That may be what the flesh thinks. That may be what the world thinks. But this is a biblical matter. This is something that God gives us instruction on. Now, now let's go to the book of Matthew, okay? I'm in the right book this time. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. So if I'm the one that's offended, I've got a lot of things I'm supposed to do. I, I'm supposed to forgive. And, and not a word yet has been said about them coming to me to make it right. Not, not one word has been said yet in all of that teaching that we're to do these things if they come and seek our forgiveness. Now, there are a few passages in the Scriptures that says if they do come to try to make it right, we're to, we're to let them make it right. We're to gain the brother by it. And certainly I think that's the best course. But as a Christian, we don't have to wait for them to ask forgiveness before we offer it. Notice in Matthew chapter 18, look in verse number 15. Jesus is teaching here. He says, Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And I'm going to say a couple of things here. Um... When somebody does us wrong, you don't have to wait for them to come to you. Go to them. Sometimes they may not even realize they've done something to offend you. 
Go to them and let them know about it. If I've hurt somebody, I'd far rather suffer what little embarrassment I may have by having them come to me than for them to get so bitter that I lose their friendship for the rest of my life. And I don't even know why. Just for some reason, I've lost it. I'd rather them share with me the the, the offense, the problem that there is, and see if there's not some way to reconcile this thing. But then I want you to notice this. It says, go and tell him his fault. Notice this phrase. And if you have a pen, please underline this. Put a star by it. Highlight it. Between thee and him, what? Alone. I don't know how many times I have to deal with families and counsel people and try to put pieces of families back together that had they just gone to one another and dealt with the issue, it would have been a small matter. But because neither one would talk to the other, they talked to everybody else except them. It made the matter so much worse. Now you've got people choosing sides. You've got other relationships being broken. Between he and thee alone. And, and I'm going to give you something from First Gregalonians, all right? This one's not in Scripture. This is pastor's opinion. And this is a timeout from Scripture for a minute. I rarely do this. But when you need to discuss an issue, do it face-to-face, not by text. Don't do it on the Internet. That's not Scripture, folks. That's just a practical help for you tonight. There are more things misconstrued in texts and typing things and things that we say without thinking and in the heat of an emotion that we would never say standing face to face looking at one another. If there's a problem like this, you go and deal with it. Eyeball to eyeball, face to face, voice to voice. Now we're back in. We'll come back to Scripture. Now that's just a plus on the side. It's not worth nearly as much as the rest of this tonight, but hopefully that will help. So you go and you tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Don't wait for the apology. Go to him. Take care of it. Deal with it. And if he neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. Uh, I'm sorry, if he will not hear, verse number 16, if he will not hear thee, then take thee. Uh, take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you. So, so you've got to go through three steps before you ever get to even making it public. And the thing is, we usually like to jump to that third one right away, don't we? And we start there normally. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever he shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever he shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now notice verse 19, and we're going to read down through verse 21, or verse number 20, I'm sorry. Again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, they shall ask, it shall be done uh, for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Then came Peter unto him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? And we all know this. Jesus said unto, saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until what? Seventy times seven. Not only do we not wait for an apology, we go to them. But next we need to make sure that we, get, we forgive them the same as we have been forgiven. If God forgives us every time, then we forgive them every time. 
It's not seven times. It's not three times. And in fact, when Jesus says 70 times seven, he's not referring here necessarily to a number. He's referring here to the fact that it should never be a time limit on it. There should never be, you don't, you don't keep a countdown. You don't keep a calendar on your wall and put 490 boxes, and every time you forgive that person, you mark it off. And on the 491st time, you say, I don't have to forgive them now. That's not the point of the passage. The point of the passage is we're to forgive as we have been forgiven by the Lord. And that is every single time. Look with me in Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. And verse number 31. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 31. I'm going to read the first word, and I want you to tell me what the second word is. Let what? All, not some, but all, bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. And be ye what? Kind one to another, tender hearted, here it is, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath what? Forgiven you. There is a parable that Jesus used to teach this principle in Scripture of a man who had a servant that owed him a great sum of money. And he called the servant in and said, I want you to make good on the debt. I want you to pay it. And if not, I'm going to throw you into the debtor's prison. And the man pleaded with his master and asked him to show mercy. And the master was merciful and said, okay, I'll forgive you of the debt. Well, that same servant went out and he had a man who owed him just a small amount, very little. And he said, I want you to pay me what you owe me or I'm going to throw you into debtor's prison. And that man pleaded for mercy also. And the servant who had been forgiven so much would not forgive the one that owed him so little. When the master heard about it, he was very angry at the servant. And the point of the principle is this. How can we who have been forgiven so much not be able to forgive people who have offended us so little in comparison? Well, always be ready to forgive. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I'm going to switch now gears to the one that's the offender. Let's, let's say now that you're the one that did the offending. Are there some instructions for you as well? And yes, there are. There's some things that the Bible teaches we're to do uh, if we're the one that, that did the offending. Let's turn back now to Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> Excuse me. Matthew chapter number 5. Verse number 23. Jesus says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar. So he's speaking here about a time of worship, uh, a time of uh, communing with God, giving your gift at the altar, um, time spent with the Lord. And there rememberest that thy brother have aught against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first. 
be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. I've taught very much in our church here that the most important thing in our life is our time spent with the Lord, our time, our personal walk with God. But can I tell you this, that according to what Jesus is teaching here, that something that needs to be done prior to those moments of time is that we need to go and make right with our brother what we believe he has ought against us about. If there's something I've done to offend him, I need to reconcile that. I would go so far as to say this, and I believe that I would be correct on it, that it hinders that time that we spend with the Lord. If God tells us that we need to get it done first, to leave our gift at the altar and go reconcile with our brother first, and then come, I believe there's, there's enough context there to say that it hinders our walk with the Lord when we do not forgive, when we do not get these things dealt with. And in this case, we're the one that the brother has ought against us. We are the ones that did the offending. What do we do? We go to them and we make it right. We make sure they understand and they know that we love them, that we did not intend to hurt them, that we are apologetic and and, uh, sorrowful for the offense that took place in our lives uh, against them, and we are to get that right. Again, nowhere in Scripture do we find that we cannot forgive until someone apologizes to us, but we find that if we're the offender, we should go and make it right with them. We need to go and deal with that. Uh, Now look with me in Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter number 7. And I'm going to leave you with this one. Uh, This is is an example in Scripture that's given, a pattern for us to follow. It's an example of uh, the deacon Stephen who was being stoned. These people certainly had done him wrong. All he's doing is preaching the Word to them and preaching out of a heart of love for those people, hoping that they will turn to the Lord Jesus and get saved. In Acts chapter number 7, verse number 54, when they heard these things, speaking of the people that Stephen was preaching to, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. There's a couple of things, I think, that are mentioned here. First of all, these people did not seek Stephen's forgiveness. And yet he forgave them, didn't he? He told the Lord, don't lay this sin to their charge. I want you to also notice this, that there was no delay in offering the forgiveness. 
He forgave while the offense was still taking place in his life. He didn't have to sit and mull on it and vegetate on it and get bitter about it for weeks at a time and then finally say, enough of this, I'm going to forgive them. You say, when should I forgive somebody? The very moment it happened. If they come and apologize to you, that's great. But you forgive them the moment it happens. You say, well, should we take Stephen as an example? Well, if you don't want to take Stephen as an example, let's take our our Savior, shall we? Let's turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Jesus is being crucified in verse number 33. Luke 23 and verse number 33, the Bible says, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified Him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, then said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted His raiments and cast lots. Folks, if we're to forgive the way that Christ has forgiven us, then we're to forgive immediately. We're to forgive unconditionally. We're to forgive whether or not they seek our forgiveness. How do I measure up? I'll be real honest with you. When I look into this book and I use it as a mirror to see what manner of person I am, far, far too often this pastor does not meet what these things require of Scripture. Oh, I strive for it. But boy, that's a hard and a high level to attain when it comes to the issue of forgiveness. The old flesh nature wants to get its vengeance. It wants to get even. It wants to get back at people. We get bitter. We get angry. Rather than saying, I forgive them. How do I measure up? How do you measure up? Do we forgive the way that Christ forgave? I'm not talking about enablement. And I think there's a, certainly a whole different issue there. But am I willing to forgive as many times as it takes over and over and over again? Am I willing to forgive instantly, immediately, even while the offense is going on? I've had people say horrible things to me. And I've smiled while they've said it. And I try to be very gracious when they say it. But there are other times they do it and my flesh doesn't respond that way. And it's a hard, hard thing to try to be scriptural and biblical when it comes to this thing of forgiveness. There are people that hurt us in other ways mistreat us, misuse us. And it's very, very hard. It's it's not that hard to know what we should do. It's very hard to do what we should do when it comes to saying forgiveness. So I hope that will be a help to us. Things that 
we're given instruction in Scripture on the, the issue of forgiveness. Um, how do I measure up? How do you measure up when it comes to these things? Let's go ahead and stand. We'll be dismissed. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. And Lord, use it, I pray, uh, in spite of the frailty of preaching, the foolishness of preaching it. Lord, You've given us Your Word, and this truth is powerful.